0: Good morning, Mercy Road. How you doing? You look good. You look good. Hey, we want to welcome you if it's your first weekend. We say it every week, but we believe nobody's too far from God to experience life change through Jesus, that the church today should be a hospital for sinners, not a museum for saints. So wherever you're at spiritually, thank you for joining us as we finish a short two-week teaching series called New Year, New You. And I want to encourage you, you know, if, if you're one of those countercultural people like New Year, say me. I'm not changing this year. This is for everyone. The idea this weekend is not that you become a whole new identity, that every single one of us could grow spiritually in 2019. And so what I'd like to talk about is how to make the most of your life, how to make the most of your life. If you have a Bible, open it up or power it on to Philippians chapter 3 beginning in verse 12. Yesterday, I had the joy or the, the torture, I'm not sure which, of coaching a fourth grade basketball game. Now, I, I'm going to tell you, I stand behind this theologically. I'm pretty sure that the enemy himself, Satan, invented youth sports. I'm pretty sure that's accurate, because some of us, uh, it doesn't matter uh, how sane and normal we are as a human being or a grown adult, when that referee makes that wrong call, and he makes the wrong call, the spawn of Satan, right, like he doesn't know Jesus at all, and he makes the wrong call, Uh, no, all of a sudden, normal human beings, (laughs) when a referee probably makes the right call, turn into crazy people, crazy people, Uh, but this really cool thing happened yesterday in the game. Uh, about a nine or ten year old dribbled the ball down with a few seconds left on the clock, and up until three minutes left, we were up by eight points. And all of a sudden, we found ourselves down by two um, because of bad coaching, because I got a technical foul because I called a timeout and we didn't have any left, but that's not really important. So, right, like he comes down the court because his coach got him down by two, and he splits the defense. And he knows he doesn't have much time, so he hurries up, he runs to the top of the key behind the three-pointer, elevates, extends, and banks in the three-pointer, and we won the game, man. Yeah, it was awesome. And, and the coolest part was, this kid's always going to have that memory of that moment, right? And his teammates all hugging him and jumping. But, but here's what kind of hit me, because I'd been preparing for this message, and I realized like most of us don't live like there are seconds left on the clock, right? Even that kid, in the first 10 seconds of the game, he played a little differently than the last 10 seconds of the game. What would it look like for you to make the most of this year, prioritizing the things God would like you to prioritize? And I believe it would look different if you consider yourself a Christian than if you don't. And I want to share through the story of the Apostle Paul and his letter to the church in Philippi. And I'm going to look at verse 12 here in a moment in chapter 3, but I, I wanted to start by saying, you know, I talk about Paul a lot because I, I love the transformation he had. We, we named the church Mercy Road off Acts chapter 9. Paul's on the road to Damascus. At that time it was Saul. He'd overseen the killing of Christians. He was a religious terrorist. He had watched and approved when Stephen, one of the first seven deacons of the early church, was stoned to death in the book of Acts. But by Acts chapter 9, he encounters Jesus, has his life radically changed. And he goes from imprisoning Christians and overseeing the killing of them to actually going all over the eastern part of the Roman Empire and eventually to Rome to tell people about Christ. Transforming whole cities. Seeing people uh, radically change their lives. And then he writes letters to them, if you're new to the New Testament, he writes letters to them, encouraging them and challenging them in their faith. And one of the last letters that he'll write is to the church in Philippi. He probably wrote it somewhere around 60 to 61 A.D. To give you an idea, one of his earliest letters, uh, 1 Thessalonians or Galatians, they were written somewhere around 48 or 49 A.D., so a number of years later. And at this particular moment in time, when he writes to the church in Philippi, most likely he's already in a prison cell in Rome. And some believe that he might be ankle deep in raw sewage as he's writing this because the hygienic system of the early prisons are not like today. And he writes to the church in Philippi with pure joy, it says in chapter 1. Not about you, but how can you be standing ankle-deep raw sewage in prison in Rome, away from everybody you've ever known, all because you had faith in Jesus, and now you write to this church with pure joy? (laughs) That's not happening for the rest of us. And then he, he defines why he writes with pure joy because of their partnership in the gospel. Philippians 1, I think it's 5 and 6 says. So he, he's, he's writing to them to say, I, I, I love you guys. I write with pure joy. Do you know how the church in Philippi actually got started? Paul was traveling around the eastern part of the Roman Empire and he planned to go somewhere else. And God gave him a dream to go to Macedonia, where the city of Philippi is. And so he, he listened to the dream and he went there and he told a few people about Jesus. And this one woman came to Christ. She, her name was Lydia, and she was a wealthy uh, businesswoman in town. She made purple dye, which made purple cloth, which was very expensive to purchase because royalty would wear it. And so she made Mad Bank in the city of Philippi. She becomes a Christian, and she used her influence to start a church in that home, and that little church grew and they would resource Paul as he would go around the Roman Empire in fact after his first two missionary journeys he goes back to Rome to share the resources with the widows and orphans that he's collected and it's there that he's then thrown into prison and then eventually will appeal to Caesar he'll be put in a boat we'll have a shipwreck there'll be snake bites and then he finds himself eventually in a Roman jail cell and will die most likely on house arrest there in Rome And I share all that because his latest letter to the church in Philippi, he begins talking about writing with pure joy, but by the time we get to chapter three, he says, but here's the deal. I consider anything in my life that's not for the work of Christ, he uses this word and we translate it to garbage earlier in chapter three. He says, I consider everything else garbage in my life that's not about pursuing Christ best. Of course, the word isn't actually garbage, it's a Greek word, and it doesn't really translate to garbage, it's more like a four-letter word for refuse that I won't share with you, because it's super offensive, and it was offensive back then, and that's how offensive he found anything that wasn't of Christ in his life. It's insane. And so when he gets to verse 12, he's going to be referring to that I've lived for everything in my life that is Christ, is how I desire to live. Unfortunately, he never achieves it. Read with me. Ready to study God's word together, church? all of us, then, who are mature, should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too, God will make clear to you. Everything in my life, he says, is garbage except pursuing Christ's best. But the truth is, even Paul, the apostle, realized he's not perfect. And he still hasn't obtained that. And he has room to grow. I don't care how long you've been a Christian, all of us have room to become more like Christ in 2019. What would that look like for your life? How do you, right where you're at today spiritually, when we're in all different places, how do you make the most of 2019? Will you pray with me? God, I thank you for all these people. It's been an incredible morning. Ran out of chairs at the last service, and you have just been ministering to people. But again, we just just start by acknowledging your presence with us right now. God, I have a lot to share, but I pray that you would take away my words And whatever that you have to share with us through scripture, that we would hear that. We love you, Jesus. And we give this moment. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Will you put your hands together? Welcome those who are attending online as well. We're glad that you're here and connect with God. And I want to give us all, even if you're at home right now, uh, a lens to view Philippians 3 from. And I, I love this verse in the Old Testament. I've shared it before from Psalm 39.5. I want to use it as the lens to interpret uh, Philippians 3. It says, you have made my days a mere handbreadth. It's like really short. The span of my years, is as nothing before you. Everyone is but a breath, even those who seem secure. The life is short. It's here one day and gone the next. It actually uses this analogy of it's like breath, right? It's here one day and... Gone the next. I don't know about you. Have you ever tried to capture air before? (laughs) Doesn't work real well, does it? You can never seem to get a hold of it. And what I find in life, a lot of times, like we want to find meaning and purpose, we want to make the most of our life, but we can't ever seem to get there. We can't quite obtain it, and we can never quite hold on to it. And when we do have an amazing moment, like when my kid hit that three point shot. We want to remember those moments. So we like snap pictures and we take videos and we post our great moments in life to social media on Instagram and, you know, Facebook and, and Twitter and Snapchat and all of those things. And we want people to see this amazing life, how we're making the most of our life. Here's the problem I've hung out with some of you, you're not that fun. You're not as exciting as your Instagram looks, right? How many of you posted an Instagram picture of your family arguing at Christmas? No, it was like everybody around the fire smiling, kids in their matching pajamas, right? Like we don't share the real stuff. And the truth is, if we're going to make the most of this year, it can't just be what we look at on Instagram because I I know you guys, you post all those pictures, oh, I had so much fun, and that took like 30 seconds, and then you spent five hours watching Netflix on your couch. (laughs) Isn't that how a lot of us operate? And we want people, to this is us. It's not really us. Life is so short, and we try and collect these little memories. What would it look like instead to literally take every moment and breathe in and breathe out? and take every opportunity we have to make the most of the life we've been given in 2019. What would that look like for you? I've got three ways, big surprise, to begin making the most of your life in 2019. And the first point I'd love to share with you is this. It might be the most important, we're gonna spend the most time on it, stop looking back. Number one, we wanna make the most, uh, according to Philippians 3.12, uh, stop looking back in your life. Uh, look what Paul says here. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold for that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. He, he says, I, I, I want to make everything in my life about Jesus, and I consider everything else garbage, but I still can't quite get there. I still have room to improve. I still need to become more like Christ this year. And I find it really interesting, if anybody had a reason to rest on his laurels and just kind of quit and retire from the Christian walk, it was Paul. Think about it. If Paul lived today, he would be an anomaly in the American church for sure. Think about how nuts that guy was. Like once he becomes a Christian, he goes all over the Roman Empire walking into cities of total strangers telling them about Jesus and some receive it and some reject him and chase him out of the city. My favorite's the city of Lystra, where they actually take him out of the city, and then they throw stones at him until he, they think he's dead, and then they leave him outside the city. And when he finally comes to, from probably being unconscious, he, you know what he does? He goes back into the city. Like, those people just tried to kill you. And he goes back to tell them about Jesus again. And he'll do all these trips, and, 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 and then he'll be actually be in prison in Jerusalem, he'll appeal to Caesar, and then he'll be on a shipwreck over the Mediterranean Sea, and then there'll be snake biting, and he'll be, It gets nuts. If I was Paul, I'd be writing letters to the church of Philippi. Do you know how awesome I am? Do you see what I've done in the last 12 years? This, look at this. And he says, but I haven't even obtained it yet. I still have more room to grow, to take next steps in my faith. What are the next steps in your faith? And kind of what he's hitting at here is this Christian doctrine. Uh, you ready for this? The doctrine of sanctification. Anybody know what the doctrine of sanctification is? It, it, it means that when you've become perfected, that once we get to heaven, we will no longer there will no longer be sin, right? We'll finally have figured this thing out, and we'll be perfected there before God, and we'll be completely sanctified. Uh, but we're not sanctified yet. We're just justified before God because of his work on the cross. We've been forgiven. Uh, that's kind of the theological background, but the real truth is, if you're like, the, why do we use big words like that? Christians are weird. It's because we just think the words are cool, right? <laughs> I love it, because, you know, some of you, you have, you have not been sanctified yet, but you have been justified because of the work of Jesus on the cross where he was crucified so that one day you can look back and be stupefied by all that God has done in your life. Amen. Yeah, I've been repressing TBN Josh for a really long time. <laughs> I got to get it out today. And the truth is, those are real deep theological things. Then he's saying, I haven't obtained this yet. I'm not sanctified yet. I'm not, I've been justified, but I'm not perfected. You know, a little interesting side note. I actually grew up in a uh, Methodist church, a great church. I love Methodist church. Uh, I especially, you know, love that John Wesley uh, was somebody that actually believed in the priesthood of all believers and empowered uh, people that you didn't have to go get some degree in order to minister to other people. And he would just send their writers out all over the American uh, culture. And why the, in the late 1700s, early 1800s, Methodism uh, spread rapidly because they went out and believed in the priesthood of all believers, and God used them um, when other denominations weren't doing that, which ironically most of those denominations now do require you to get a degree, which is kind of ironic. But I, I, I share that with you because I love a lot of those things about it. But John Wesley actually believed that you could be sanctified this side of heaven, although no one probably ever would be because he looked at like First John and other passages where you have the Holy Spirit in your life so you have choice and you could have the ability for the Holy Spirit to work in and through you and make the right choices every time. Now, I don't know whether he was right or not, but what I do know in this passage, Paul at least wasn't a very good Wesleyan, right? Because he's saying, look, guys, I've been doing this forever, and I want Christ as the center of my life. But I have not obtained it yet. It's not happened. And some of us, we have a lot of self-righteous and judgmental Christians. I'm sure not in this church, but you know, those exist today. And and we, we begin to think we've made it. I've been really convicted, man, for our church. Do you realize this? We have had, we had, at Christmas Eve services, we had 2,167 people uh, join us for those services. Just over seven years ago, there was about 20 people meeting in our house. The Church of Acts has not just happened 2,000 years ago. And there are other churches like us, by the way. God is still moving. He's still working. And he's not done with you. And you may not be perfected yet, but he wants to use you. He wants to use you to make an impact and a difference. And that's why he says, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. He says, I'm not going to keep looking back and, and rest on my laurels and what God has used me to achieve in the past. Some of you have been Christians a while and God has used you in the past and you could look back and just go, man, that was an awesome season where God used me. What if he wants to use you this year to take next steps of faith? And some of you, you keep looking to the past, not because God has used you to achieve things, but because there's some things you did in 2018 that you're not proud of. And there's guilt and there's shame. It's not your heavenly father that wants you to feel that shame. He wants you to respond, repent, and receive forgiveness, find freedom. That's what the New Testament describes. The only one that wants you to rest and just live in that shame and guilt is is the devil, Satan. That's his desire for you. Go to youth sports and rest in your shame. That's pretty much all Satan's trying to do. I make jokes about it, but the truth is there's a real spiritual battle going on, right? So what would it look like for you to let go of that baggage in your life and start pressing towards what's ahead? And say, God, how could you? Because, you know, Paul could sit there and talk about all the things wrong in his life. But he's going to press on. Toward uh, the goal to win the prize for which God has called me, heavenward in Christ Jesus. Number two, if you're taking notes, you're not just going to stop looking back. You're going to start maturing. You're going to start maturing. Now here's a problem. No one likes the word mature. <laughs> no one wants to really mature. Maybe you do, but uh, I, as a as a kid growing up, man, in high school, I never wanted to become mature. Did any of you guys want to become mature when you were growing up? Did, are you like me? You never wanted to mature ever in your life that's where, I, okay, thank you, one honest person that's, that was me, man I didn't want to mature uh, why would I want to mature, the truth is I'm having fun mature means more responsibility I, and I always remember there was always the one person, and every school's got one of these, don't lie, they do the, the real mature guy, you, you know what I'm talking about, like I would do things I knew it was funny, and my friends we knew we were funny, and we knew it was cool and he, he'd always stop and go, oh oh, real mature guys right? Oh, real mature guys. And I always say, hey, I'm like, I, well, I don't want to be mature. That was hilarious. And the thing is, some of us spiritually, we're, we're kind of good with how we are. We think it's fun that we, we got, we're going to heaven when we die. We gave our life to Christ. We're justified before him because he was crucified for us. Well, we need to do anything else because the Bible says over and over again, God wants to use your life more and more. And you don't have that much time on this planet. It's like a breath. It's here one day and it's gone the next. And we have to become more like Christ to take next steps and start maturing our faith. That's why Paul writes, all of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. The the word mature in the Greek, it it almost is like trying to become perfect. Not that you will become perfect, but Christ was. And if we want to become like Christ, you have to to strive for that. And not just go, well, I'm never going to get there, so why bother and why try? Well, because God wants you to grow and to become more like he intended you to be. And if on some point you think differently, he says, <laughs> I love this, that too God will make clear to you, <laughs> right? Kind of ironically, like you, you, you can believe that. You can just sit there, but, but God's going to show you that you need to grow in your faith. He goes on to say, only let us live up to what we have already attained, that because of the crucifixion of Jesus, we can be forgiven and we can begin to take next steps. What would that look like for you? to become more spiritually mature. It might mean to start reading your Bible on your own. I'm amazed. If you don't have the YouVersion Bible app on your phone, you need to do it. It has every translation out there. It's got thousands upon thousands of studies, reading through the Bible in a year, topical studies, book studies, all you could ever want. It's entirely free. It's all put there. It's the first time in human history we all have that at our fingertips, and whenever we want it, and we take it for granted, What would it look like to start growing, the maturing in your faith in that way? Another thing, I didn't intend to say this this weekend, but I ended up sharing it at all services, and it might be the most important thing we we discuss, that if you actually look at the New Testament, it it, it gives examples of different stages of growth spiritually that the Christian would go through. There are passages that talk about when you first become a Christian, you're essentially an infant living on pure spiritual milk, that you can't even feed yourself, but you have given your life to Christ, and and you've been born again in him. And then some of you kind of get in that toddler stage where you start to, to open, you know, you, you begin to feed yourself a little bit, you start figuring out how to walk out your faith a little bit and, and grow in your faith. And then some of you hit like that young adult stage where now you could actually lead and be used by God and make an impact and serve others, right? Like you're doing that, you're in that young adult stage. But actually, biblically speaking, you never truly mature as a Christian unless you hit parenthood. And I don't mean biological parenthood, I mean spiritual parenthood. Until you begin to pass on your faith to someone else. It's all over in the New Testament. Paul's constantly talking about Timothy, that he's the spiritual parent for. If you've been a Christian a long time, who are you trying to reach for Christ and who are you passing your faith on to? It's part of maturing as a Christian. I love this quote by Oswald Chambers. Viewed from another angle, spiritual maturity is simply Christ-likeness. And this hits me, man. We are as mature as we are like Christ And no more. No more. How much are we like Christ today? What would it look like to you to take that next step in your faith in 2019? We're gonna watch a 60 second video now. It's from a young woman in our church who we actually asked her to talk about why she got baptized. She was one of 61 people that got baptized in 2018. The most people we've ever had get baptized. We saw uh, at our e- Christmas Eve services, 80 people give their life to Christ. And if you count the Mercy Christmas event, where 50 people gave their life to Christ, we saw 130 people this Christmas season give their life to Christ. And, and it's because God is real, he's moving, he's living and active, and he still transforms people's lives. And it's taken hundreds and hundreds of volunteers to sacrifice their time and energy and talents and, and say, I want to be used by God. And so let's watch the 60-second video together as she shares why she got baptized.
1: Hi, I'm Jackie O'Keefe. While I've only been attending Mercy Road for about the past year, I feel like I've been a part of Mercy Road since before they even had a church building. Uh, So I definitely feel at home here. How did Mercy Road lead me to becoming baptized? That is a very easy question to answer. I joined Rooted um, and was about six weeks or so through uh, the Rooted program and I just felt extremely convicted that I needed to take one step further um, and become baptized. And as I progressed through Rooted each week and established those relationships and asked the tough questions and got those answers I've always wanted, I felt more and more convicted that I needed to become baptized. Um, It wasn't until a couple of weeks after Rooted, I was sitting outside in the mountains at spring break, um, listening to worship music, and I just felt just the spirit overtake me and tell me you need to take this next step. And so I sent an email um, to the pastors and scheduled my baptism and I'll never look back.
0: I love that. And, and one of the reasons I love it is, you know, she'd been a Christian for a while, and the next step for her was baptism. And rooted was the big thing that helped her begin to grow in her faith in that next season. And 10 days from today, we're kicking off our next rooted session. And if you're like, what's rooted? It's a 10-week discipleship experience with an 11-week of celebration. Uh, come together on Wednesday nights. child care is provided and you're doing a five-day Bible study throughout the week, and then you're in a group when you come here on Wednesday nights to discuss what you've been learning and growing. One week, you go into a service project together. and uh, there's, It's an amazing experience. If you've been a Christian for decades, and you've never been through it. We want everyone in our church to go through it. If you're new to Christianity and you need the next step, it's the perfect thing for you. Some of you have been through Rooted, and your next step is to become a Rooted facilitator. We're 10 days away, and we want to encourage you to, to be a part of it. So the ushers is going to come back through and pass the uh, sign-up sheets down the rows here in a moment. And we'd love to have you sign up and be a part of that. You'll get an email. Uh, Jane, our Rooted pastor, is actually right here at this service today, Jane Huber, and she'd love to chat with you about uh, what all that will entail. I think the, the cost is just the cost of the book. Uh, But as they pass those down the aisle, I want to make a third and final point today. Number one, you're going to stop looking back. Number two, if you're taking notes, you're going to start maturing in your faith. And number three, you're going to step out in faith. You're going to step out in faith. And here's why. Because you're not from here. You're not from here. I I, I lived in Southern California. I went to grad school out there, seminary. And one of my roommates, his name was Austin Eggers. I loved Austin. Austin was from Boone, North Carolina. And you know he had one of those fun Southern draws, and he would always—he was like the worst driver in the world. We, we would get out on the LA freeways, which is just nuts, right? And he had like an old Chevy S10 that was a stick shift, that I'm pretty sure wouldn't go over 45 miles an hour. And I was always scared to death when he was driving. And so we'd go out there, and he would literally go so slow, and then he would cut people off in traffic, and they'd get really mad at him and wave things at him, and he. Uh, Every time he'd do it, he'd wave at them and he'd go, it's okay, not from here. (laughs) You know, and and like, I I always think of that because you need to understand, biblically speaking, that, that we as human beings were created by God, we believe as Christians, and that we're literally not from here. Our citizenship is in another place. Look what Paul says later in the verses. He talks about in 17 through 19 about how to... You know, not reject God in your life, but verse 20, it says, But your, our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there. Not from here. Citizenship is in heaven. And we wait for the Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that we'll be like his glorious body. That, that one day, it's talking about we will return to be with God eternally in heaven. If we've repented, asked for forgiveness, received his grace because of his work on the cross, we could be made right, justified with a perfect God. And we can live eternally with him, with no more sin in the world, a sanctified place, in other words. But we get to do that not because we earned it, but because he first did it. One day, Jesus will return and put the world as it should be, and we're going to live forever with him in the new heaven and the new earth. And so Paul is saying, I, the reason, if you want to make the most of this year and you want to live like Paul, he never rested on his laurels. He never lived in the baggage of his past. He said, even I have to start maturing in my faith, and I'm going to continue to look forward to step out in faith because I remember I'm not from here. My home is in heaven, and I'm gifted another breath on this planet, and so I'm going to use everything I can to lead people to Christ eternally. And it always makes me think of Revelation chapter 4. You ever read that? The throne room of God when John has this revelation and he sees the elders bowing down and laying their crowns before Almighty God. And they're, they're singing together, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. That they're literally in the presence of God. And Paul says, the reason I live the way that I do is because I know one day I'm going to be in the presence of God before him in the throne room, and that would dictate very choices in the way, the way I live my life this year for us. That, look, some of us, if we want to make the most of 2019, we're going to stop eating Pizza King like I did last night, even though it's delicious and savory, and I loved every moment of it, but we're not going to eat that for every meal, and we're going to start getting our bodies, which are a temple of the Holy Spirit, healthier. <laughs> Right? We're going to start heading to the gym uh, and getting exercising a little bit. That might be what you need this year. Uh, some of us, we're going to start cracking open that Bible and pouring into God. And some of us are going to commit to worshiping on the weekend. And we're going to go through root and take next steps. And, and some of us are going to begin to get emotionally and mentally healthy and grow this year. But the difference of why we do all those things as Christians. It's because we know one day we are going to return and be in the throne room of God. And I don't get healthy, and we don't want to get healthy out of vanity because we want to be powerful or cool. We do it because we want to be healthy so God can use our lives. We want to be emotionally and mentally healthy so that God could actually use us more. We want to be spiritually healthy, attend a worship service on the weekend, not out of obligation because he needs us to be happy with us and to love us, but because he already loves us and we want to worship him back. The why is what is different. And so in 2019, as you make your goals or you just say, I want to begin to live differently this year, you begin to remember that your citizenship is in heaven and you get another breath every moment on the planet. Breathe it in, breathe it out and use it for the Lord, Paul says. I just want to close with this. You know, I didn't say this at the other services, but every year, I, you know, I'm, I don't know if I'm getting a middle life, midlife crisis or what, <laughs> you know, that fourth grade basketball game, I can remember when my son was in diapers, <laughs> I, right? I, I remember when uh, he was born. And it just seems like, man, it's so quick. And, and what I didn't say at the other services is, I feel like in my season right now, to take a next step, you start just getting comfortable, don't you? And you think you kind of, you kind of got it. But God wants you to do something else this year. It's a next step. It's a new journey to say, how can God use me this year? And I just want to encourage you, as we close our time together, we're kicking off our, every year we do a four- to five-week teaching series in January, early February, kind of our theme for the year. Last year was Unleash the Lion. Do you remember that? And we we're going to fully unleash God this year. And we announced in January we thought that was launching a campus over in Fisher's. And instead, in July, we realized that we were going to plant four new Mercy Road churches and go in four different directions, and then everyone's lives got insane. Remember that? I'm like, why did I preach that sermon, you know? And, and now we find ourselves, we, we purchased this property at ITT building, and, and Pastor Luke is raising up the team. In, in two weeks, Saturday night services begin to be dedicated to Michigan Road and their launch team. Pastor Luke's going to be there every week, and I'm still going to come in and teach sometimes, but we're going to begin to raise up a separate team. Uh, I saw PJ here at one of our services. He's going to begin to lead worship on Saturday nights. In uh, a few weeks, uh, we're going to share plans with you probably to uh, dedicate one of our Sunday morning services to the Fisher's Geist location. And these locations will become separate churches. They'll be named Mercy Road. We've been through this before. But they will be eventually completely new churches. Just share our DNA, giving away 50% of the resources, have outposts and huddles. And we're doing this to get a lot of people... As this church has grown to over, we had over 2,000 people for the first time ever at Christmas Eve, and we don't want you to sit in our chairs. The the Mass Avenue location, we have signed the lease, the Athenaeum building down there with Coach Check Coffee. That's going to be like the lobby on Sunday mornings for the new church. It'll be cool. The auditorium in the back is going to be used, and and they're going to have a little, the kids' space will be down that hallway. If you live downtown, it's going to be amazing we're beginning to raise up that team. We're launching there. We have signed the lease in August. It's happening. And then Anderson, that that one will happen a little bit later, but we already have some people that are getting excited about Anderson to go up there and see. And God kind of opened up these doors to go in these four different directions. And so what I want to tell you is that in this year, as we talk about the series next week, immeasurably more, That's kind of our phrase for the year, that God could use you as much as he could use someone else. He could do immeasurably more in your life, and we're going to need immeasurably more of God in order to see that occur. And the reason we're doing it, because we had a choice to make. Do do we get bigger and make it easier for you to sit in the seat, or do we intentionally disciple and send out and make it harder because we get smaller? And we chose the second one. And so we are challenging you to join one of those four teams and go in one of those directions or to commit that if the Keystone location is your location for the long term, that eventually we're going to send hundreds of people out in these other areas and this church is going to be a whole lot smaller in this location and we're going to need to reap people for Christ here in this area all over again. The book of Acts isn't just 2,000 years ago, guys. It's today. And God could use us to do immeasurably more if we allow him And that's our heart and that's our desire. Will you pray with me? God, I thank you for every person who uh, chose to give up uh, this hour of their life to come here to worship you. And God, I I hope I said something of meaning. But God, even more, I I hope that you spoke to somebody because I know that you did. So I want to give two different people a chance to respond. First to the Christian. Maybe you're here and you've been a Christian for a little while or, or for a long while. And you need to take that next step, that next step in your faith, to begin to grow this year, to mature even more, to become more like Christ this year. If that's you, I want you to pray this with me silently as I pray it out loud. God, I want more of you this year. I want to become more spiritually mature, to become more like you, Jesus. And so I dedicate 2019 to growing closer to you. And then for the person here who may not be a Christian yet, you, you don't know if you share in eternity or not, and you would like to profess Jesus as Lord as the scriptures teach, I'm going to give you that opportunity to pray this with me. God, I confess I need you. Forgive me, I've done life without you. And I believe and receive your grace and forgiveness. And I commit my whole life to you. Use me, God. Use me even more than I think possible. God, we love you. We declare you Lord of our lives and of this church may you use us in ways we never thought possible. We pray this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen.